we want to establish some momentum. You have to move forward to get momentum. So if you've been paralyzed and you're afraid to move forward, I would still say, even if you're not going to do 100%, let's, let's take a 5% step forward. My name is Leif Arneson. My brother Anders and I are on a mission to help 1 million vegans get into the best shape of their lives. We firmly believe that the more healthy and fit vegans there are in the world, the faster veganism will spread. Let's work together to inspire change, spread compassion, and challenge the status quo. Welcome to the Vegan Gym Podcast. So I just sat down and spent about the last hour and a half talking through the notes for this episode with Daphne. And we, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm maybe more confused than I was prior. And that's because we're talking about perfectionism today. And my goal is to leave you with some valuable takeaways that you can apply to your life to break through limiting beliefs and take more action and control of your life. So we're going to do our best to break down our thoughts on perfectionism. And I think it really comes down to or at least I think we should start by defining what is perfectionism or what is perfect. And that actually was very challenging to do. I'm not sure that we're even totally there, but Daphne, what are your thoughts to kick us off? Leif, I, I think trying to get perfect notes was a, a challenge for this episode, but I appreciate the conversation because I think you forced me to rethink some of the verbiage that I use around this whole topic. So from a just from a pure definition perspective, if we're pulling out a real, an old dictionary, perfectionism, so we're defining this in the context of an individual, is a personality trait that is characterized by an excessive desire for flawlessness and setting unrealistically high standards for oneself. So perfection and flawlessness are the two things that we wanted to tie together. I think that's where we were starting to land on why is this such a, a tough conversation to you know, put a bow around and tie it up because it really is not easy to define. Yeah. And one thing that we started, you were mentioning that we were working on these notes. We were trying to make them flow in a certain way. And then we realized okay, perfectionism is not attainable. That's not, that's almost kind of contrary to this episode. So we're just going <laughs> to, we're sitting down and going to try to dissect this together. And again, hopefully this leaves you with some actionable takeaways that are valuable in your life. One thing that we stumbled on was the realization that perfectionism is not possible because it's a moving target. Humans are constantly becoming better. We're becoming smarter. We're constantly learning. We're also constantly developing better tools and technology for helping us to achieve more, to create bigger goals and execute on those goals. So perfectionism, getting something to a point, we were actually talking, uh, I'm currently in the process of writing a book and we were using that as an example. and. I was saying that my goal is to get that book to my 100% level of effort. Like I put everything into the book that I possibly can and 
I that means I'm working through and revising it multiple times. I'm cutting out any extra fluff that does not contribute to the value in that book. And I'm really working to make it the best possible piece of work that I can create with my skills and knowledge in the present moment. But a year down the road, that my knowledge and skills will be higher than they are now. So perfectionism is a constant moving target because I can continuously delay the launch of this book or insert whatever goal. I can continuously delay that because I know I'm continuing to get better and I'm continuing to therefore be able to produce a better level of effort. But then I'm never pressing send. I'm never actually launching it. And that doesn't benefit anybody. So yeah, we'll continue working to kind of unpack this, but that was an important realization that we had. Perfectionism is not possible because it's a constantly moving target. The goalpost is always going to be 10 yards down. So that is why nothing can ever be perfect. You will never be perfect and that's okay. So now that we've kind of defined perfectionism and explained why we believe perfectionism is not ever attainable, where would you like to go from here? So the reason why we wanted to have this conversation is we're trying to empower people to take massive action. And some of the things that we have observed as obstacles in terms of people's progress is this concept of perfectionism, the the construct of perfectionism or flawlessness, the fear of failure that is perhaps tied to setting a standard or trying to attain a level of flawlessness that is not realistic. And then thirdly, it is how do you overcome your limiting beliefs? So setting a standard that is unattainable, being afraid of failing, and then having these own limiting beliefs in your head can be the the obstacle that allow that prevents many people from moving forward. So those are the three main big rocks that we wanted to try and talk about today. But the perfectionism one was the one that kind of really we needed to define because we couldn't go into this conversation without a similar construct that we were bouncing these ideas up against. We want to have a conversation around how we can help people move forward and not let this fear be an obstacle to making meaningful progress. So thank you for laying that all out. With that in mind, I want to kind of add a few pieces that we were working to pull together in preparation for recording this. So I'd like to run through my thoughts on perfectionism. And I I guess we can stop throughout that. And I'd love to just hear your input and maybe we can pull apart the pieces here. I want to preface this by saying that I'm a pretty intense guy and I'm heavily focused on continual self-improvement and I have extremely high standards for the level of work that I produce. 
So take everything that I say with a grain of salt, but I'm going to unpack kind of my honest beliefs around perfectionism. And before we start recording, Daphne, I I think really eloquently said the following sentence. She said, if perfectionism paralyzes you from taking massive action, then that is what's detrimental to progress. And I want to use that. I want to say that before I jump into my thoughts, because I do think there's a time and place for what many people would probably consider perfectionism. I'm going to define it a little bit differently and it's really nuanced. So I'll do my best to explain how I, how I would define. I, the way that we kind of defined it is putting in your true 100% effort. I personally don't think that is synonymous with perfectionism. And if we, let's go back to the book example for a second. So if I put in my true 100% effort on the book, let's say I invest 2000 hours in writing this book, I go through and rewrite it multiple times. I cut out every single unnecessary sentence that does not contribute value. I work through every single paragraph to ensure that I establish the best clarity possible. I use as many easily digestible examples and simple language to explain all the concepts in my book. If I go through and I continue just working on that until I get to a point where I can sit, I can genuinely say I put in 100% effort in this and I cannot currently make this any better given my current level of skills and my uh, abilities. I cannot possibly make this 1% better. I would say that is different from perfectionism. If we go back to the definition that we kind of cobbled together for perfectionism, or you put it well, but I kind of added to it and said that it's kind of a, a moving target. The the yeah. point that perfectionism is a moving target means it's inherently unattainable. So if instead of saying I put in my 100% effort in, like I work the book to the point where I can say, all right, now I have gotten to a, my true 100%. And I can't make the same better right now. And then I click submit to a publisher and I can't make any further changes. I, I'm okay with that because I know I put in a hundred percent and yeah, maybe it's not, it's not a perfect book because I know I could make it better down the road if I just never press send and continue to refine and refine and refine. And then eventually I grow old and die and it never gets published and nobody ever benefits from it. So hopefully that example helps to distinguish between putting in your true 100% effort versus perfectionism, because I, I'm going to define those differently. Another important thing that builds on the, the fact that I, I just mentioned, I'd like you to take this with a grain of salt because I have really high standards and I, I work to achieve really big goals. Understand that different people have different standards and that is okay. You don't need to adopt my beliefs around 
perfectionism or shooting for a hundred percent or anything that I talked about in this episode, my hopefully you just get at least one gold nugget from our conversation. That's that's my goal. So understanding that different people have different standards is also important to keep in mind. So I have previously considered myself to be a perfectionist, but I don't think that's quite right in terms of the terminology, especially in light of everything that we just covered. So I do strive to execute flawlessly as a result of maximum effort and a meticulous attention to detail. I would call that striving to hit my 100%. I wouldn't call that perfectionism, but I understand that many people probably wouldn't see much of a difference between those two. And that and that's okay. So I I'm meticulous. I have high standards. I don't know of a word that appropriately describes this that doesn't have the same negative connotation of perfectionism. So we'll just leave it at that. I'm meticulous and I have really high standards. So my perspective is that's a little different from the definition of perfectionism. Do you have any any thoughts? No. So I agree with everything that you have said, that the different people have different standards and also that those standards have a context in which you are trying to execute an action. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in some different examples. But I think some of our listeners would consider you to be a perfectionist based on the qualifications that you just described. But I still think that and I love the word flawless, the term flawless execution, because that is what we strive for. So I think performance excellence, flawless execution, executing to a high standard, those are not synonymous with perfectionism because you have set standards of execution. And while you were trying to attain a flawless execution, you're not letting the fact that you may not be flawless stop you from moving forward. Yes. So I have high standards for myself and others, and I strive to achieve them, to achieve those standards, but I don't expect absolute perfection. I am satisfied with realistic output from full effort. So I don't know if that's, I'm doing my best to try to explain how I view this. And then we're going to really do our best to to boil us down into some actionable takeaways. So like Daphne just said, and like I mentioned earlier, I don't, it's totally okay if you don't agree with the perspective that I am sharing. What's important is at the end of the day, our goal is to help you accomplish your goals. And how do you work to pursue those goals in light of limiting beliefs or in light of the fear of failure or any of these other things that may be holding you back. So that's ultimately what we're trying to boil down this episode. So I'm okay with failing, but only when I can authentically say that I tried my best. If I fail without applying full efforts, that frustrates me because I know I could have done more. And my belief is that you shouldn't be failing at the same thing multiple times. So I do think that failure is a necessary part of growth and I'm totally okay with failing. But as I said, 
only when I can authentically say that I try my best. If I put in what I perceive to be my 80% effort and I fail, I I get frustrated. And I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. I'm not saying that anyone should be taking the same approach because it does it can be stressful. It is frustrating. But that also has allowed me to accomplish some some big goals. So I personally have found that to be a useful perspective. Yeah, when I fail without applying full effort, that's when I get frustrated because I know that I could have done more. And then I don't want to just chalk it up to, oh yeah, well, failure, lesson learned, because I'm really thinking, well, I could have done better and I should have done better in this instance. And then if I apply full effort and I still fail, I'm totally okay with that. So yeah. Do you want to unpack anything there? Do you have any thoughts on that? No, I think I would agree with you. And I, I know everyone is going to have a different perspective of what full effort is for a given task or given action. And that also aligns with the fact that everyone has different standards and that's okay. But I still would say that applying full effort is a important concept that we need to get across because we we what we what I don't want is for people to come away and say, well, I can't be perfect, so I can do things at 50%. That is not what we're saying. We are still setting very high standards of excellence and performance, but not allowing that standard to be a barrier to execution. What would you say to someone who's just getting started? Like they have spent pretty much their whole life in a just frozen and not working to accomplish their goals because they're afraid of failing and they're afraid of what people will think. Do you do you still feel like it's the right advice to tell someone that they should strive, that they should set those goals and they should strive for the 100%? Is it okay to say you should strive for just start, do your 50%, that's okay? What would you, and I, I know I'm putting you on the spot. I don't really feel like I have a fully formed answer here, but do you have any thoughts on that? I do. And I would encourage someone to just do it, not to paraphrase Nike, but it goes, it ties into what we'll talk about later around perfection paralysis. So I would rather someone take one step forward. And and even if that step isn't the largest step they could take, then not move forward at all. So I'm trying to propel people out of we want to establish some momentum. You have to move forward to get momentum. So if you've been paralyzed and you're afraid to move forward, I would still say, even if you're not going to do 100%, let's let's take a 5% step forward because that's better than nothing. Yeah, that's well said. I'd, I'd rather someone take a small step forward than not take any step forward. I think that's a good way of summing that together. So building on what I just said about needing to apply full effort to be okay with failure. If I'm being honest with myself, most of the time, I don't believe that I applied full effort because when I look back, I can identify areas where I could have done better or I could have tried harder. And I also tend to look back on things and say, hey, maybe I did 95% here. I could have made that 1% better. I could have done this. I could have done that. How do you, maybe I'm turning you into my therapist here for, <laughs> for a second, but 
how do you allow yourself to accept failure when looking back, you don't feel like you tried your best, even if that was 95%? So you did not fail. I'm going to leverage your engineering background because you can't test a hypothesis until you actually start the test. So if, if you're designing a widget, you know how the widget works in the confines of the lab in which you're designing it. It's And you are going to build the best widget ever, um, whether it's a piece of software, whether it's a device. You need to put it out into real world conditions in order to get some feedback and understand how could I have made this better? You need some type of feedback loop. You can't iterate forever in a closed loop system. And you can't iterate forever in an environment where you've never actually taken a step forward because there's no way you'll get feedback. So if you never publish the book and find out, oh, I could have rewritten this sentence or added this chapter, or I forgot this reference, you needed to get it live and get it out in the world in order to get that feedback. So I think from a you know, whether it's a software engineering perspective or whether you're making the world's best widget, you still need to have that real life test in order to get the feedback to make the next iteration better. Well said. I think one other note that I that I made here is that I also try to keep in mind that hindsight is twenty twenty. So when I'm looking back and I say, oh, I think I did 95%, did I actually believe in the moment that I was doing 95% or I thought I was doing 100% and now looking back, I realized there were some things I could have done better knowing what I now know, which is obviously- Hindsight is 20 Yeah. So maybe that's the loop I get stuck in. But again, I think the important thing for anyone listening to take away is that you took action. So we need people to take action. Waiting until you think something is flawless means that you won't take action. And that's where I feel that people get into, they get paralyzed from their own concerns about what is that perfectionism look like? Not with the intention of complicating all of this even more, but Daphne and I were talking before recording about the fact that there are also different levels to this. And we we came up with these two kind of silly extreme examples. So when I go to make a sandwich. I'm not thinking I need to do this with my 100% effort. I've seen you make a sandwich. I, need to, <laughs> no. I do think I, I make, a decent, make sandwich, a decent sandwich, but I'm not thinking, oh, let me put in my 100% effort and make all the angles perfect or put the perfect amount of lettuce or whatever on the sandwich. I'm, it's, it's just a sandwich. It's just whatever. Get it, get it done, eat it. Hopefully it tastes pretty good. That's that. On the opposite side of the spectrum, you have a rocket scientist who is designing a spaceship to take humans into space. Obviously, there's a very low acceptable level of failure tolerance in that pursuit. So we kind of identified the fact that there are different levels for different, there are different uh, levels of what you should hold yourself to in terms of your how much time and effort you invest into something based on the level of failure tolerance. And maybe we're just totally going down a wormhole with this, but 
I thought it was maybe useful to touch on. We brought up the two examples in our pre-recording conversation. One was a rocket scientist who's designing a rocket schematic for a spaceship that's going to take people to space. And obviously, you don't want to have that blow up or have anything happen. Um, and there's a an iterative design process. And obviously, there will be lots of failure through that process. But ultimately, the goal is to get something to a point where you have put in your 100% effort. We see delayed launches for for different missions because they needed more time to test things or the weather wasn't ideal or anything like that. And they needed the best conditions with the best design with all the variables that were aligned in their favor. And again, I wouldn't call that perfectionism, but I would call that doing your best to apply 100% effort. And another example of that would be becoming a skilled surgeon who performs life-saving surgery. Same thing. You're, well, you would be the one to speak on this topic because uh, that is your background. But yeah, actually, would you like to, would you like to just expand on this idea of kind of different levels of failure tolerance? And yeah, let's start there and then we'll see if we can pull out a clear takeaway for listeners. So I agree with you that there are different levels of failure tolerance and there have to be because if you are a scientist that's designing a spaceship to take people to Mars, or if you are a head and neck surgeon and you're operating at the skull base, you have very little margin of error because their people's lives are at stake, which is different in some regards than taking action on things where the risk of an adverse outcome is greater. So I think that the levels of failure tolerance are aligned with the potential negative impact to the risk reaching an individual, a population. Um, and I'm having flashbacks to just how do you prevent adverse outcomes in a healthcare setting? Because no one wants an injury to reach a patient, whether it's medication, procedure. We have acceptable limits of tolerance for error or failure for those very reasons. So I agree with you. But I think to paraphrase something that you've said before, taking away from the rocket scientist or taking away from the surgeon, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So if you look at the world and you understand, and you, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll say this even to the team, yes, no one's going to die. So sometimes I'll reflect part of my role in supporting you is pushing forward projects. I could easily perseverate and not let a project go live because I wanted to be, you know, everything to be eyes dotted, T's crossed, and nothing is ever going to go wrong. If that was the case and I was taking care of a patient, it would be different than saying, this is a piece of software where I'm entering data and there will be no harm reaching an individual based on what I'm going to execute or what I'm going to you know, launch this and allow people to use it. So that tolerance, even I use in my own life, but I would definitely support the fact that because I've worked in environments where acceptable tolerance for failure was low, I, I've taken that with me from everything I do. 
It's not that I'll never take action though. I just have to have a measured response for what are those acceptable limits and when do I pause and reassess versus when do I move forward and then learn and iterate. Yeah, well said. I think in an attempt to provide an actionable takeaway here for everyone listening, the way I tend to work on on different projects, I mentioned the book example, but I haven't used any other work examples for myself personally. I What I tend to do is define the amount of time I'm going to spend on something. So for something like writing a book, that's a fairly extreme example, at least in the context of what I spend my time on. So I know that book cannot be changed once I send it to the publisher. In fact, you copyright the manuscript and you're, you cannot make changes past that point. So I'm going to continue working on that until I get it to my true 100% and I make it the best book I possibly can versus I'm working on, I was just working on a on an email yesterday that we were going to be sending out to a bunch of people. And it was important, but I know I could make it better. Even when I pressed send, I knew I could make it better. But I said, hey, I've got 45 minutes for this. And that is the time constraint I'm placing on on this project. I'm going to fully focus for the next 45 minutes. And then whatever the end result is, is what I'm going to press send on. So that's how I try to cater to these different levels of failure tolerance. I try to identify how much time must I invest or how much time am I willing to invest in this project given the constraints of my schedule and other things I need to move forward. So what I'm really trying to optimize with everything on my plate is looking at the acceptable level of risk for a particular project versus the level of effort that I need to apply to that project to hit that acceptable level of risk. So if we draw a simple two-dimensional graph where on the x-axis you have acceptable risk and zero is zero acceptable risk. In other words, you need to make it 100%. There's no tolerance for failure. And a an x equals 100 100 units down on the x axis that would be 100% acceptable risk in other words there's a limitless acceptance of failure essentially and then on the y axis is your level of effort so at x equals 0 your point should be 100% effort for the book that i'm writing that's where the book would be it would be at my 100% effort because the acceptable level of risk. In other words, I want to put in 100% because I don't want to take on the risk of hitting submit to the publisher and then realizing that I made some errors. I've gone through it meticulously. I've checked every box. I've crossed every T, dotted every I. I know that everything in that book is my true 100%. That's where I would be on that graph versus I'm making a sandwich. I'm all the way down on the 100% acceptable risk. I'm fine if I put wrong ingredients on. I'm fine if it doesn't even taste super good. 
I don't really care. I'm trying to gain some calories and I'm probably running off to a meeting or something and, and eating in between on a short break. So that would be the uh, kind of, if we're to draw a linear line, that would be Y equals 100 minus X. And then you can kind of, uh, for anybody with, with some uh, basic math background, you can, can uh, see what that looks like. So that's kind of what I, how I view this. And then the, it gets more complex because then you're trying to balance all of the different priorities that you have in your life. And you're kind of doing a similar analysis. So I, not to get into the weeds, we can pivot to some more actionable takeaways right now, but I just wanted to give some context for how I view the level of effort that I'm going to apply into apply toward a project based on the importance of that project and my acceptable level of risk or failure tolerance. Before we transition, I think the bottom line there is that you take the measurement, but you don't let it paralyze you. So even though the risk may be high, you still take action. You just make the appropriate investment of time, effort, and standards to deliver an optimal outcome. Yeah. All right. So we're done nerding out. Let's uh, pivot to talking about limiting beliefs because I know you had some thoughts on that. So... I wanted to bring this into the conversation because when you're thinking about taking action is people get paralyzed into thinking, it's not me. I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. Or they can't come up with a solution to the next obstacle that's presented in front of them. You need to realize that you are holding yourself back from realizing your potential with these limiting beliefs. And so that can be, you know, Let's take perfection or flawlessness as one bucket. Limiting beliefs are another bucket that can keep people from realizing the goals that they are trying to achieve. But it's tied to this fear of perfectionism. I think that the two are interrelated. And the more you can overcome those limiting beliefs, the less likely you are to let that fear of perfectionism prevent you from taking that next step forward. And for many people at the beginning, those limiting beliefs can really be crippling. I know I had so many limiting beliefs when I was first getting started, especially to bring it back to a more simple example, just going to the gym. I had tons of limiting beliefs when I was first getting into working out because I had the body of a cross-country athlete. I started my whole fitness journey as a cross-country athlete. And the first time I stepped into the gym with any serious commitment to weight training was when I weighed about 130 pounds at the, at my same height. I was essentially a stick <laughs> and I'm going in there and I, I struggled to even deadlift the bar and to go to push yourself into past your limiting beliefs and be willing to put yourself in uncomfortable situations with the fear of failure, with the fear of what other people are going to think about you, that's really necessary to accomplish your goals and break out of. I'm a big believer that belief comes after work. So if I go into the gym and I have all these limiting beliefs, if I put in the work, if I put in the reps, literally, then I'm going to be building the belief in myself and I'm going to be building strong beliefs about what I am capable of that 
work to drown out those limiting beliefs. 100% agree. Yes. I would say the same thing I encounter it with running. I mean, I would tell you I wasn't a runner if you'd asked me at the start of the pandemic. Um, But now the thought of running a half marathon isn't a mental hurdle. I would have said I can't. I, I literally would have said I cannot. As a not just I cannot yet, I would have said I cannot. But I think once you do, once you put in the work, you put that yet at the end because now you believe I can. It's just that I can't do it yet. Yeah. Well said. So what other kind of tips do you want to share? What other takeaways do you have? So I would like to leave everyone with just five key thoughts on how to move forward. We already talked about recognizing your patterns of perfectionism or or standard setting, your fear of failure and your limiting beliefs. I think you clearly articulated the fact that don't be afraid to try and fail because you need to shift your mindset from the thought that failure is bad. Failure means that you tried. And I think that the worst thing is never to try. You also need to cultivate a growth mindset. You need to challenge your own limiting beliefs, but you also need to be kind to yourself because the first time you do something may not be your best effort, but if you still said, I gave it my 100% as I knew 100% to be at that time, pat yourself on the back, keep moving forward and learn from that opportunity to try whatever it was you were doing, whether it's going into the gym at 130 pounds and lifting the bar, you know, practice some self-compassion. Yeah. Good takeaways. And I, and just to hopefully put a bow on the kind of mathematical expression that I ran through, I think it's also important to keep in mind uh, if you're constantly finding yourself getting stuck in a place of inaction, if you're constantly feeling frozen and not taking action because you're afraid of failing, be sure that you are assigning the appropriate level of risk or the appropriate level of importance for whatever project, goal, initiative, whatever you're focusing on. Because we use two extreme examples, writing a book and making a sandwich, but the vast majority of things are going to fall in between those two. And understanding that I mentioned the email that I was working on, I was okay with, just to throw a number out there, putting 70% effort in and knowing, hey, in 45 minutes, I can put in 70% effort. I could make this better, but I basically said what I need to say. And I could go through and wordsmith this and make it just make everything flow perfectly and and go through. Uh, I always double check grammar. So that's one thing that I, I always want to be sure about. But just for me, it's okay that some things are, uh, that most things are going to live in the middle of 0%, 100%. So uh, don't stay stuck because you view everything as needing to be done at 100%. Exactly. And that is important for a few initiatives, but probably only a few in your life or certainly a few within 
a decade of your life, a certain period of your life. That's not everything. So if you're constantly feeling stuck because you're afraid of failing, just take a moment to acknowledge and identify what that level of importance truly is. I would agree. So hopefully that's helpful. And let's, I want to just close by summarizing a statement that you, that we'd shared prior to going live, which is success is not measured by perfection, but by consistency, progress, resilience, and the courage to overcome challenges. So we're not here to tell you that this isn't hard. Definitely want to say that your health and your well-being is worth the investment of your time and energy, and you should not be afraid to try. But the goal is to be consistent, resilient, and not be afraid to challenge. Yeah, that's a that's a really important point. So I rather, and this kind of ties in well with what you said about taking a small step versus no step at all. If you get stuck in an all or nothing mindset where you say, I need to take the biggest step possible, let's call it the 100%, I either need to do that or I'm going to do nothing. You're going to tend to get stuck in that period of nothing. And if I viewed every single thing that I needed to do through the same lens that I discussed with the book, I wouldn't accomplish anything. And that's really important to keep in mind. So understanding that consistently taking small steps, even if you maybe you you still have all these limiting beliefs, and I know it's not easy and you're pushing through those, but continuing to take small steps consistently is going to produce way more for you than just staying frozen in time and worrying about taking the biggest step you possibly can. And uh, I guess that kind of gets into the whole tortoise in the hare um, idea. But yeah, kind of a similar similar thought there. Nothing can ever be perfect. Just do it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Daphne, for taking the time to work through all these notes with me. I feel like I learn a lot through through this process and and really had to work to articulate my ideas in this topic and I I feel like I learned something about myself so same here hope you hope you feel the same and for everyone listening hope you got a lot of value from this episode I I know we touched on kind of a lot of points and I hope that you got at least one gold nugget that you can act on in your life. So thank you so much for listening and we look forward to catching you in the next episode. Thank you. To get access to some of our best content for free, head over to theveganjim.com. We've got tons of articles and guides to help you burn stubborn body fat, build lean muscle and supercharge your health. You can even use our vegan nutrition calculator for free to figure out how much protein, calories and micronutrients your body needs. Get started right now at theveganjim.com. 